0: Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. along with my co-host Chris W. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham's exclusive episode dealing with the club's financials. There have been a lot of questions surrounding the financials of the club, especially highlighted within this transfer window as we are under a zero net spending transfer budget. Many do not understand the details and have questioned a lot about the board's decisions as a result. One of the things we often hear on West Ham social media regarding financial questions is that there's not, they're not an accountant and we want to fill that gap. The GSB movement has gained traction for a number of reasons. Will the better understanding of the West Ham's financial situation change your opinion of the board or further reinforce it? Chris, I want to get into details of the financial issues you analyze, but first, why don't you start with your qualifications?
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. So I am uh, a certified public accountant in the United States. I also am currently getting my, my PhD in accounting. Um, and so really what, what motivated me to do this was time after time again, either like listening to other West Ham podcasts, anytime a financial issue comes up, either the people are unsure how to discuss it or they just don't know how to interpret what's being reported because the term, the, the term I always hear is quote, I'm not an accountant, uh, which is fine. Like these things are, they're not easy to understand, but we, I thought we were kind of uniquely situation to bring that true accounting perspective into thought, in, into play and, and use it to help kind of inform West Ham fans about the financial situation. So what I, what I really did is I took, A look at the West Ham uh, published financial statements from the most recent one in in May 2019, all the way back to uh, I believe 2010, and and kind of looked looked at it at a view from three different big claims that we hear a lot about West Ham financials. So some of these claims are several years old, uh, or you know, and and still play still playing today. Some of them are, are more recent due to the pandemic. So so just to give you a highlight of what those three claims were, the first one is. Uh, that London Stadium would bring us this financial windfall that would really just push us up the table, make us competitive for Europe and Champions League. Uh, that was really one of the main reason the owners sold the stadium move to the fans. Uh, and at the time, a lot of fans really believed them. And and we've seen from, you know, the, the results on the pitch that since the move to London Stadium, we really haven't seen an increase. You know, we look at our our yearly finishes, but I wanted to really look into the financials of it and see, well, well, how much did the London stadium really bring us? Uh, The second one is due to the pandemic, we've kind of, there's this loss of revenue that's being talked about. And and because, uh, you know, it's a down year, we're going to have a zero sum transfer budget that we have to sell to bring in. And I really thought this was interesting because we see a lot of other clubs uh, a lot of other clubs spending big this summer, despite these claims. So I, I really wanted to look at West Ham's situation to see if this was really true. If this was, if this was the reason, maybe we're not spending money,
0: and to see if we'll have enough money for Messi, right?
1: <laughs> and, oh yeah, with Messi, with Messi, I don't, I don't think we'll ever have enough money for that $700 hundred dollar <laughs> uh, buyout. But we'll see. And then the final issue is um, kind of a claim I heard first on the West Hamway podcast a few years back when when Dave and X were interviewing. David Gold. One thing he mentioned was a lot of the debt for the club was actually owned by the shareholders. Uh, you know, the David Sullivan and David Gold, and that this debt had a lower interest rate, and so it was it was saving the club money. So I wanted to look at really first, what is is this debt saving the club club money, and if so, how much debt is it, is it a significant amount? So really looking at these three big claims, uh, especially with the the, the GSB out movement real strong i know we've we've talked about whether we would we were bored in and bored out uh before on the podcast and we'll we'll kind of talk about at the end of this what how this changed our view our door didn't or reaffirmed it uh
0: and that that's something interesting actually uh i want to cover we want to go into this as a, a really fair analysis right so we all have our own opinions on whether we're bored in or bored out uh, that has to do with players and how they're performing the season how our manager's doing but but this is strict Financials. This is strict facts, right? So we're trying to go into this as fairly as possible, and it, honestly, it did change a little bit of uh, of my view of the board in terms whether that was for good or bad. We'll get into that later, but I, I think this is a, a really good analysis so that you fully understand the situation.
1: Yeah, and and also like you said, you know, this is an unbiased analysis. So we're, we're strictly looking at the numbers and and what we can what we can t- pull out from from publicly available documents. I know. Really the only financial, I don't want to call him an expert, but but financial savvy or, or person that reports on West Ham financial news is Sean Whetstone with Claret and Hugh. And I know a lot, I, I'm not speaking one way or the other about him, but I know a large portion of the West Ham fan base does not like him or Claret and Hugh. They feel like they're too um, pro board or, or, or too biased towards the board. So really just wanted to give an unbiased view here and let people make their own decisions. So if you're ready for it, we can get into the first claim. Let's do it. All right. So the first claim promised that the London stadium would bring us financial windfall. So moving to the, to this, the the state, this jewel of a stadium in the capital, massively increasing our, you know, the stadium capacity, everything that this would bring us as as far as money and, and using that money to invest in the club, uh, to, to bring us financial success. Uh, that's what we were sold. But here, here are some five major points I, I've, I kind of pulled out and then we'll go into details of, of how I calculated this. So number one, overall, the vast majority of the revenue increase since our move to London Stadium cannot be attributed to revenue related to the stadium. Uh, and just one quick note, uh, when I say revenue, uh, it's the same thing as turnover. It's, it's the, the money the, the club brings in. So I, a lot I know in in the U.S. we call it revenue, and in the U.K. a lot of times it's referred to as turnover. Just throughout this this podcast, if you hear one, they, they, if you hear revenue, it means turnover. Um, number number two, our so our average annual revenue in our first three years at the London Stadium is 57.2 million pounds higher per year than in the last three years at Upton Park. So this, on the top, you think this is this is a crazy increase, right, Chris? Like 57. Yeah. That's insane. 2 million. That's almost almost a little over a quarter or 25% of, of what our total revenue this year. And that's just an increase uh, on the average. So that's, that's a lot of money per year. But when you really look into the sources of it, only 4.6 million or 8.2% of that increase is due to match day related revenue. Meanwhile, 41.4 million, or 72% of that, or 72% of that 57.2 increase is due to broadcasting and sponsorship. So things like the Premier League prize winnings money largely make up this group. Uh, and then finally, the two other big sources of the increase uh, were retail, which is only 2.1% of the, of the total increase, and commercial activities, which is 17.5% of the to- of the the increase
0: so can you explain that match day revenue a little bit more and, and what is that as complete ticket sales does that include anything else besides ticket sales and and is that what we gained in terms of um, the amount yeah. of seat extra seats we sold so the way I calculated this
1: there's if you look at the West Ham financial statements for the most recent years there's there's four broad categories of revenue and so I'll read off each one First one is match receipts and related football activities. So this is, this is really like the ticket sales or things surrounding football. This is what I consider match day revenue. This is the, the money the club earns strictly around uh, what goes on at and around the stadium on match day. The second category is retail and merchandising. So this is like buying things from the club store, buying things from the online store. Uh, you know, typically like individual fans buying West Ham merchandise. Then the biggest category is uh, the broadcast revenue. So broadcast and sponsor revenue. Most, the the overwhelming portion of this is the central distributions we get from the Premier League. So Premier League money, there's, it's a very, not, not, I won't necessarily say complicated calculation, but there, there's many parts that go into this. So each club in the Premier League gets an equal share of some of the broadcast money. Then there's some portion that's due to your, your place in the league. Then there's some portion that's due to how many times you were shown on TV. But in the end, it's, you know, this is, this in combined, this, this creates the, the broadcasting revenue. And then finally, the last and fourth category is commercial activities. So things like this are, you know, Betway is our shirt sponsor. So what Betway pays us to be. Uh, Bassett and Gold, which is our sleeve sponsor. Um, maybe uh, around the edge of the stadium where you see uh, kind of around the pitch, the different different corporate sponsors that are on the boards there. So that creates this, this kind of commercial um, portion of the revenue. So these four all total the revenue. And so what I did is in these these financial statements there are three years three years that dealt with london stadium seasons so uh, 2017 2018 2019 uh, and all of the, this ended may of each, each of those years so if we had three years under the london stadium i compared the average of each of those three years to the average of the last three years of the boiling boiling ground or Optum park really kind of comparing as best i could with the, the data had what's the difference between kind of the most recent stuff at boiling ground to the most recent or the first bit at the London stadium. So to, to kind of gauge how much is actually coming from London sta- London stadium, uh, and you're just in, in general. So we all know that the premier league has become just this financial powerhouse. Premier league clubs are some of the richest in the world. They spend tons of money on transfers. And a lot of that's due to the, the TV deal. So, the TV deal you can't attribute to a single stadium. It's not a stadium thing. It, it's 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 really the stadiums are relevant in that. For, you know, for the most part, it's um, it's things like in here, NBC Sports runs the the Premier League in the U.S. There's Sky Sports has a lot in the UK. Uh, globally, um, so that that category that the the broadcast has, in my opinion, nothing to do. So I exc- that's not. Commercial activities: Betway, Bassett and Gold, shirt sleeve sponsors. Again, this is really more related to the the broadcasting journal. Bet- Betway's not having it on their shirt because, like, the person at, in the stadium sees it. It's it's because we on the TV can see up close that Betway logo. So, really, this I don't feel like this is mostly to um, the the stadium. But but really, the, what what is due to the stadium? is quite literally the match receipts and football related activities category. So the first category. And so if you average the last three years of the boiling ground, we have 22 million pounds on average of these each year from revenue from match receipts and football related activities for the first three years of the London stadium. That's 26 million, 26.7 million. So that's a $4.6 million increase. So really, if you want if you want to only only attribute directly to the stadium, we're seeing 4.6 million dollars a year, which you know, or pounds, sorry, pounds a year, which seems like a lot, but when you compare it to how much the broadcast revenue has gone up by, 41 million, it's it's minuscule. It's almost nothing. Any questions here,
0: Chris? No, no. I think keep going. So basically what
1: I, what I what I'm trying to show through this and we've we've posted on our twitter uh, kind of my spreadsheet of this analysis and th- these are all from I'm not making up these numbers these I'm not for for this this analysis right here these are all numbers directly from the financial statements they give descriptions of you know what what are match seats and football related activities what are you know broadcast and sponsorship what are commercial um, and based on those descriptions you know, match receipts and football related activities is what's due to the stadium. And, you know, it's only in total. So I I guess I skipped this in total, the last three years of the bowling boiling ground, we had an average revenue of 125.8 million. The first three years at the London stadium, it's 183.1 million. So this is where I get that 57 million increase. So out of this 57 million increase, only that $4.6 million is due to the stadium. Or in other words, 8.1% of the increase we saw is due to the stadium, meaning almost 92% of that increase was not related to the stadium.
0: And uh, Chris, one question for you here. Is this money that we can put towards players in the transfer window, or this is total money in the club? So th- that means that this maybe this 4600000 million can't just go straight to a player. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so this is broadly this is this money can go anywhere it can go to players in the transfer market it can go to paying wages of either the players or the staff it could go to um the rent payments on the london stadium it can go to um paying karen brady it, it can go you know to paying the interest rate on the debt it, a lot of different things
0: so really this this 4.6 or uh, 57 million is not completely dedicated to players so what we do have set aside for what we can dedicate to players is actually drastically less than it
1: it, it is lower. So basically, you know, we've broken our transfer record multiple times in the last several years. That's a fact, right? So we've spent on, we spent money on players, but so is every other premier league club. If you look at, you know, Leeds just spent almost 50 million in a day on two players and they're just promoted. Like their stadium's tiny compared to ours. Like, if anything, things are you know Everton's spinning out the wazoo. Ash, Aston Villa spent over a hundred million last summer and probably is going to spend a lot this summer. You know, it's they're not spending that because of their stadium. They're spending that because of the Premier League prize money. That is okay. what I'm trying to say with this right. analysis. So, right. going back to the claim, London Stadium was going to you know have this crazy uh, you know impact on our financials and we were going to, you know, start challenging with the likes of Man City and, you know, Man United and, and all those other, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea, in, in the terms of finances is it, just silly. We've, we've had this massive increase in revenue, but so is every other club. It's not because of our stadium. It's because of the premier league money.
0: Right. And even if you had that 57 million that was dedicated two only players you know maybe then you could actually get one or two players but it it seems like it's not so yeah
1: so and so related directly to the stadium 4.6 million a year what is what is 4.6 million a year going to buy you in this market
0: it pays wages yeah
1: nothing yeah it's going to pay maybe yeah it might pay Jack Wilshire's wages yeah that's it uh and so Basically, I'm not trying to blame any of the fans because I, I believed it a little bit too. Because before I looked at the numbers, I didn't realize how little of the money was due to match day, match day receipts. Um, but yeah, it, it. The the I will say the board would have known. The board would have known at the time how much was actually coming from the stadium and should have known increasing that is, is pe- peanuts compared to everything else. So, so I, I would say the claim that that London stadium would bring us this financial windfall is false.
0: Okay. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of, uh, of numbers that you really don't see thrown around everywhere. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have to go into a little bit of the, the depths and the calculations of everything. And, and when you actually do see that 4.6 million, it really does put in respect perspective of, uh, it's not actually as nearly as much as I thought it would be when, you know, when they're trying yeah. to basically sell that.
1: Especially when you compare it, if, you know, 4.6 million from the stadium, well, then 41 million is not. So almost 10 times is, right. is from other sources completely.
0: Now, could that broadcasting and, and sponsorship have come up as a result of a bigger stadium? There, I, I will give to, to some credit that,
1: I I wouldn't say the broadcast revenue. There is some of the commercial activity you could say is partly due. You know, if, yeah, more people are in the stadium watching the game than were before. So more people see the advertisements Mm -hmm. on, you know, around the pitch and everything. But also the people watching on television see those too. Like it's still the amount of people in the stadium versus the amount of people watching it worldwide. It, the stadium's only a small, tiny portion of that. So right. there, you. I will say you could maybe some of the commercial activities, or maybe even the retail and merchandising. If you know, but the retail and merchandising was only one point two million. So that's not even like even if all of that were due to the 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 stadium, it's not really it's still a very small amount compared to what just naturally happened when the premier league grew.
0: Right. Huh. that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Wow. So I, it, it did bring, I will say this changing stadiums did bring us more money. Just the amount that it actually brought us is drastically
0: oversold. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We I think we just got the new renovations done as well. So not that it would increase it any you know, anywhere uh, close to what it needs to be, or at, at least what the fans I think were assuming. But yeah, well, and I I think that, up a bit.
1: that that the recent changes didn't increase the capacity at all. Like that. Yeah. And and now I'm not I'm not trying to comment on. London stadium versus Upton park is, you know, match day experience or, or anything like that. I'm, I'm only speaking to the, the financial numbers of what they bring us. Right. You know, you look at, you know, boiler you know, Upton park had, you know, the chicken run and, and just the atmosphere there is legendary. So I, I'm not trying to, comp- I'm not, I can't quantify that. So I'm not trying to, I'm only looking at the black and white numbers.
0: And if- just to confirm one more time for everyone listening, how accurate would you say these numbers are? Would you, you know, did you have any really influence in the numbers or are you just getting these from public statements?
1: For, for this analysis, all of the numbers are taken directly from the, fi- the public financial statements of the club. It, it, we'll see when we talk about our next couple of claims. I do do some calculations on my own and I'll talk about those then. But this is purely from the club.
0: Yeah, so I think that's actually really interesting. That 8.2 percent that we got, that uh, that 4.6 million pounds, is is something that really you can go out and you can look at and you can confirm. And and we challenge yeah. you, please do. You know, if um, you have any questions about this or anything, we're feel free to reach out to us and and we can try to help explain it. But I yeah. I think that is really telling. Is this is not something that we're assuming. Oh, they sold 20 pounds per seat, you know, and that's how we got this. No, this is exactly what has been released to the public. So
1: yeah. So I guess just to, to to wrap that that part up, I'll, I'll reread a couple of our big points. Um, overall, we saw revenue in the last three years or the first three years of the the London stadium be fifty seven point two million higher than at Upton Park. So a big increase. But when you look at what caused that increase, only eight point two percent is is due to match day revenue. whereas almost three quarters of that increase was due to broadcasting. All right, next section, we're going to talk about our second claim that the reason we have a zero sum transfer budget is because of the loss of revenue due to the pandemic.
0: Welcome. Back to green eggs and west ham our second section deals with the board's claim that loss of revenue this year means no transfer budget as a result of the pandemic to explain this claim it's necessary to go into more financial detail we've published our findings on twitter which you can find us at green eggs and wh so you're able to go back and look over the numbers yourself and also we try to cite as many sources uh, that we can and where we got that information if you have any questions on this part or throughout the podcast please tweet us and we will reply chris why don't you walk us through this claim did the pandemic really affect it or, and if so, how much?
1: Yeah. So it's one thing I will say. So last section, when we talked about London stadium, I was using numbers straight from the the, the West Ham financial statements in this section. Some numbers I do are pulled from prior years, but I I also have to make some uh, judgments and calculations about what, projected numbers would be for this year so i will just have that disclaimer um but kind of looking at what the pandemic has done so this year west ham missed five out of our 19 normal home games because of the pandemic so we played more obviously played more than more than five games behind closed doors but only five of those games were our home games so where we would get like the match receipts and everything else Uh, And then we look at broadcasting and commercial revenues are typically from multi-year deals. So these amounts are largely set before the year and largely not changed by the pandemic. I'm not, I don't know all of the, you know, the premier league deals with sky and all the other broadcasters uh, or, you know, West Ham's deal with Betway, Bassett and gold, other, other club sponsors like that. But these deals typically are set long in advance for multi-years so the, the, the revenue from year to year from these don't change. So they wouldn't really change from the pandemic. Um, and then using the five missed games, I, I project there all four different categories of, of revenue that I talked about in the last segment. And I'll go through it more in depth. Overall, uh, after taking into account the missed games, I project about a 14 million pound decrease in revenue compared to last year. So just kind of, I'll tell you how I get to that 14 million, but overall a 14 million pound decrease compared to last year. Take that what you will. That that's enough, I think, to impact the transfer budget, but I don't think it's enough necessarily to cause this absolute lack of spending that we've seen. Uh, but I'll go through the numbers, how I got there and you, you can take that number, however you see. So, uh, Chris, any, any questions before I get started on part-by-part?
0: Part? No. I, I think I'm, I'm really actually interested to hear how this, this $14 million decrease, how did, how did you come up with that number?
1: Yeah. Okay. So like I talked about in last, the last segment, West Ham has four big categories of revenue, the first being match receipts and football-related activities, the second broadcast and central sponsors at distributions, the third is commercial activities. And the fourth is retail and merchandising. So overall, we in 2019, we had 190 million pounds of revenue. Most of this was, was out of the 127 million in broadcast and central sponsorship. So what I basically did, I looked at each of these four categories, looked at how the pandemic might affect each of these categories, and kind of therefore... Projected into 2020, what what I might expect us to get. Uh, so I'll talk about the things that really aren't changed much by the pandemic. So the the, the central sponsorship, the broadcast and central sponsorship, the premier, the, the biggest, the lion's share of our revenue. These this is what the Premier League had, the Premier League prize money and other sources from the central sponsorships from the Premier League that. Uh, pay off they have they get deals from sky sports uh other broadcasters throughout the world other sponsors you know uh the barclays logo on the on the premier league things like that and the premier league pays that out to club well these are like i mentioned before multi-year deals The, the the amounts are typically set before there's some small variation but largely these are unchanged so what i did is i looked at the I found premier league money that we got from last year, which was 122 million. And I, I have my source on our document. I, I got, I pulled that from uh, express, but it's published at multiple places. Then, so that was 122 million. And that meant hundred or 4.8 million of other central money that, that I can't quite tell the source, but is still from that central premier league deal. So I basically, what I did is I added the premier league money, that we are in this year, which has already been released 113 million. And then I added this, uh, kind of the, the, the portion of the other money that, that was, I assumed it was going to be, the other small portion was going to be the same as it was last year. So that's how I got the broadcast money. So this is largely unchanged because of the pandemic. Our, what you will see is the premier league money is down by actually 9 million, but that's mostly because of our, we finished lower this year in the premier league. So that's not, I wouldn't consider that related to the pandemic, but so that, that, that 113 million is actually not a figure I came up with. It's an actual figure. Uh, And then looking at the commercial activities, well, there's not much detail of the breakdown of how we got these commercial activities, but they are similar to the broadcast deals, multi-year deals typically set long before this year so that the payouts we'll, we'll receive in 2019 were set well before 2019. The payouts we'll receive in 2020 were set before 2020 or at least the calculation of how we would get that is set before then. So how I how I got this, I, I got the growth rate from 2018 to 2019 and just applied it from 2019 to 2020 because these, these deals usually have like a consistent growth rate, you know, maybe 3%, 4%, whatever it is to the life of the deal. So if it's like a five year deal each year, it'll be 5% more than the next year or something like that. So I just took what our 2019 number is, applied the growth rate and got that. Again, this number is not really that affected by the pandemic or shouldn't shouldn't be that that affected by the pandemic, uh, at least the loss of home games from the pandemic. Then looking at kind of the two remaining categories, match receipts and football related activities, and retail and merchandising. Well, match receipts and football related activities obviously are affected by the pandemic. If no one's coming to a home game, we don't get that money. Uh, and I, I, so the way I treated that is I calculated um, from 2019, I can, well, we have the full year. I took all our match receipts, I calculated, they, they actually disclosed the average attendance. So I multiplied the average attendance by the number of games we had by the 19 home games to get basically a to- the total attendance for the year. So I got, we had 58,325 average attendees at a 2019 game. Multiplied that by the 19 home games that gave us, uh, we had 1.1, a little over 1.1 million people attend home games in 2019. So this is like, obviously the same person, if the same person went to all 19 home games, they'll be counted 19 times in that. But, you know, if if you count one person walking through the door, 1.1 million people walked through the gates at London Stadium in 2019. So what I calculated was a a match receipt to person. Basically, how much is the club earning from each individual person that goes to a game? And that was, in 2019, that number was 24 pounds and 48 cents or you know basically 24 and a half pounds okay so i'm assuming in 2020 the average person going to pay about the same amount to go to a game as they did in 2019 right so i took our the average attendance from 2020 which is published i'm not making this number up Fifty-nine thousand nine hundred nine. multiplied it by the 14 home games we had this year instead of 19 because we missed five right so that gave us uh 838,000 people walked through the gate. So a smaller number, but you know, we, most of the season was played and then I multiplied that assuming each person paid the same amount as they did last year uh, to basically give us a, our, our match receipts number. And so looking at this category alone, I'm projecting about a 7 million pound decrease in match receipts. So this, this, you can say this 7 million is related to the pandemic. Because we had less home games, we have less match receipts, and that's going to – you know, $7 million our club doesn't have.
0: Right, and, and then, completely because of five games that we
1: missed. Because of the – exactly, because of the five games we don't have. And, and, and again, this is just – that was my projection. And the, the real numbers at the end of the year might be different. They probably will be slightly different, but I, I believe they're this is as accurate as I can get. Uh, you know, I got down to the individual income per person on average.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, and then I also thought about retail and that Mark merchandising. Well, just, you know, here I was maybe a little generous to the board. In real life, just because the games are shut down doesn't mean people aren't buying things from online. You know, the, you can still go to the online store, you can buy shirts and gear and other stuff. But, you know, the financial, or, you know, the financial impact on the average person for the pandemic has been pretty large. You know, people have lost jobs, they've suffered... Some have had pay cuts, and so I basically assumed the same under the same way I, I did match receipts. I assumed you know losing those home games also hurt the, the the retail and merchandising. So the under the same system, I calculated you know the total attendance from last year, the same number uh, in 2019. I took our the the true retail and merchandising number, divided that by the the 1.1 million people to find out basically for each person that attends a game, how much are, are we making in, in just general retail you know, money? This is, not, this is not necessarily the same as, uh, like you can still, even after you're not going to the game, buy stuff on, on the online website. So this is a conservative estimate of how much we lost. So I find in 2019, we had about 7.8 pounds per person that walks through the gate in, in, for retail. Uh, so this is like buying shirts, buying kits, buying, you know, little Christmas trinkets, everything you can get on the website.
0: So that's me walking into the stadium, going into the store and spending that 7.8 pounds.
1: Yeah. So you uh, under the prior one, you walk into the stadium, your ticket and you buying a pint or whatever, you'll probably pay about 24 pound, 24 and a half pounds. That was the pri- That was the, the match seats. Under this, I'm assuming you walking into the stadium, you're going to buy about, just under eight pounds worth of merchandise over the season right. you know, or okay. per, per 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 person. So I, I multiplied that amount by the number of people that walked through the gates in 2020. And that gave me our retail merchandising. Now, now the retail and merchandising is by far the smallest piece of the pie when it comes to our revenue. And so we only lose about 2 million pounds here. So if you combine the 2 million pounds, we lost from retail merchandising to the 7 million pounds I project us to lose from the match receipts. That's about 9 million pounds lost directly from the pandemic. So that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's a significant amount. That's not a, that's not a tiny amount, but is 9 million pounds enough to really impact our transfer budget? I don't think so. Well,
0: that's a good question. And is is it could broadcast revenue have gone up as a result of no fans at home games. So you don't have those people at the game, but there's still a large portion of them likely are watching at home. Right. So would that revenue have gone up? Or like you mentioned, it, those multi-year it very deals. It possibly
1: could. I, I don't okay. know. You know, it's very tough to tell right. because not only does the premier league deal with like sky sports, but they deal with hundreds of different broadcasting agencies across the world that, that kind of sums up to that. So I do imagine that there could be some bump. Uh, I can see exactly what we got from the premier league, I can't really see that small portion that's not direct Premier League money in that broadcast number. So it could have gone up. And I I know, so if we look at it piece by piece, mattress seats went down by 7 million. Retail went down by 2 million. So that's 9 million related to the pandemic. I calculate about a 9 million lost in broadcast and sponsorship, but this is mostly, again, due to just us placing lower in the Premier League, not due to the pandemic. And then I did project a slight increase in commercial activities just based on the growth rate from prior years as, as these deals are, 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 you know, signed long before this year started. So overall, that's a 14 million pound uh, decrease in the overall revenue for the year. So that's, that it, it does contribute. I will say 14 million pounds is, uh, you know, a, a significant amount. I don't think that necessarily justifies a, and this, this part, this part is just my belief. I don't think 14 million pounds justifies zero net spend in the transfer window. Well,
0: another point I want to make though, is this loss wasn't just felt by West Ham, right? It was felt by every team in the, every league, really. It wasn't just the premier league. So when clubs are spending money, whether that's Bundesliga, whether that's La Liga, whether that's the MLS, or whether that's the Premier League, everyone suffered financially, right? Just And I'm stri- strictly speaking on match day receipts. The, there were not people that were buying tickets to go to those games because they were not allowed. So there was a loss. It's just how much. Exactly. Right.
1: And now um, th- there could be some slight variation just based on – like. Another team, we missed five home games based on our schedule. Other teams might have missed like four, might have missed six, but it would have been right around there. Right. You know, depending on where their home and away games are, are stacked throughout the, the, the schedule. But yeah, it's going to be every team's going to lose money based on match receipts, based on, you know, people not having quite as much to spend on their retail and merchandising. That's true. So that's, this is not a West Ham only effect. So once you, when you kind of look out there, and see other clubs spending money that does kind of cast doubt on, on this claim that, Oh, it's, it's because we're losing revenue that we can't from the pandemic that we can't.
0: Well, and that's the thing is I'm not really trying to blame the board and saying, Hey, you know, 14 million is not enough for you guys to have this zero zero it's I'm just kind of questioning. I'm I'm looking at other clubs and I'm saying, well, they're spending money. So kind of why aren't we, you know, and um, I know we've talked about a little bit in, in the, first section and we'll get into our third section in here just a little bit, but there are reasons behind uh, what they're, they're claiming we don't have money and there's reasons behind. And some of those are justified, um, but it is up to ultimately the fan's own decision to, to say, all right, is 14 million enough for me to say, we're not buying any players this year without selling.
1: And now let's be, you know, let's say, 14 million maybe isn't the right number. Well, it could be lower. It could be higher. Let's say is it, if it's almost one and a half times that. Let's say 20 million. Is 20 million down even enough to say we have no money to spend in the transfer window? Especially when you talk about cutting wages of Zabaleta, Sanchez, a Yeti, you know, all the Hugill, all these other players that that earn a, a big amount of money. You know, I I would say probably not, but. Overall, strictly from my analysis of of the projected revenue, I'd say we're we're gonna lose about 14 million compared to last year, but only about nine of that is from the pandemic.
0: And Chris, um, one more quick question on your calculations here. Uh, When you had the opportunity to either try to err on the side of being conservative to the board or not being conservative, did you have any sort of bias in terms of uh, I'm gonna try to make this number you know lean this way or lean that way or did you say you know what I'm I'm gonna try to make the most conservative number possible? How, how what kind of like almost bias did play in to your calculations?
1: I think that I don't think there were, I wasn't trying to make it end up one way or the other. I I'll go through kind of. I think there are a couple of my estimates that are extremely conservative in favor of the board. And there's maybe one assumption I'm making that's slightly maybe not as generous to the board. So I'll go through those. I'll start with the one that's maybe not as generous. So I'm, I am assuming a growth rate in commercial activities because these deals are um, dealt prior to this year. So they don't mm-hmm. really, you know, when these deals are written, they didn't take into account the pandemic there could be some portion of the, you know, maybe one of our sponsors goes bust or something and can't pay us the money. There are, there are scenarios in which we wouldn't see this growth rate. So that, you know, there, that's one, but commercial activities were not by far not the largest part of our, um, our revenue. Uh, So that was probably maybe not in the favor of the board, but then in a couple instances where I felt like I was very generous to the board. So for, match day receipts. I assumed we earned the exact amount per person that we did last year, but which was 24.5 pounds, 24.5 pounds. But if you just look at 2018 to 2019, basically the growth rate from the year before, we actually went up from 22.6 to 24.8. So there is decent reason to think, well, you know, using the same rate as last year is actually conservative, probably, you know, ticket prices probably went up this year compared to last year. So maybe instead of 24.5, we earned, you know, 26 per person, which means we wouldn't lose as much as as I project. Same thing for retailing and merchandising. Our retail and merchandising a person went up from 2018 to 2019. So one could reason maybe it went up from 2019 to 2020. That's, you know, that's conservative in favor of the board. Also. I assumed that basically no one bought merchandising after the pandemic started. That's not true. People, people still go online. People still buy stuff. Maybe it's less, but it's still something. So I I say you can look at individual parts of my analysis and say, maybe that wasn't the most favorable toward the board, or maybe that was too favorable toward the board. But overall I I was just trying to do based on the, the, the real economic transactions what was most likely
0: yeah i think that's a really important point is you're trying to be first of all we've mentioned trying to be as fair as possible but also pretty much across the board right? you were conservative in your calculations in favor of the board so yeah maybe they lost 14 million they might have lost you know i don't know 20 million or they could have lost 10 million but we tried to come up with the most accurate calculation possible and where there was a chance to kind of influence it and everything we we tried to influence it in we we tried not to influence it really is what it was we we tried to be as as in favor as possible so it's not that we're trying to you know hey the board lost all this money or the board didn't lose any money no we're just trying to show what we think happened and then where we could be even even work for the board right so yeah i i think that's important uh i think it's important to to kind of look at that and, and try not to go in with any bias and then you can come up with your opinion.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what I tried to do. And, and, you know, like, like I said, like we'd mentioned earlier, if you, you know, we, we published all of this analysis and you know, on our Google drive, we link that in our Twitter, uh, t- a tweet about that. So go there, take a look at it. Um, if you, you have any questions about anything we're talking about or anything in that sheet, feel free to tweet us. Well, we'd love to, you know, we always love to interact with, you know, followers and fans and listeners. And it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't make this just for me. I, I made this because I, I saw kind of this deficiency in, you know, there, there's not really someone with this perspective uh, in, in the West Ham, you know, Twitter, West Ham media. So I was hoping to kind of just help educate some fans as to kind of, hey, these are some claims that we've seen made. I know a lot of people might not understand them. So I'm trying to do my best to explain them, give you some, you know, give you some material so you can kind of inform your own opinions.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting too. You're an accountant, right? You're a professional yeah. accountant. Whereas for me, I, I mean, I'm in the military, so it's not, I have no economic background really took economics in high school. You know what I mean? So, so I think uh, we kind of took that perspective and we said, okay, uh let's make sure that this is understandable because i know sometimes when we were talking before and you were trying to explain stuff and i just had no clue but we're uh, you know i'm trying to kind of take the the thing is um i don't have an economic background and you know this is making sense so that's why if we have any questions i had a lot of questions coming into this yeah. about chris how you came up with some numbers and stuff so um yeah we'd, we'd be happy please uh, tweet us at green eggs at and wh Welcome back to the third section of Greenings in West Ham. Here we've got a discussion on the debt owned by shareholders, which is actually saving the club money. So, Chris, explain exactly what what that means and how our owners, uh, the board, our shareholders are actually lowering the interest rate for us.
1: Yeah. So, I'll just kind of start where this I first heard this and just kind of what got me thinking about it. So, the uh, West Ham Way podcast. Great podcast. Love it. Uh, X and Dave do a great job. They had David Gold on a few years ago kind of just to to talk to him about a bunch of different things about the club. Um, And one of the things they talked to him about the club was that he, he brought up actually, David, David Gold did, was that um, him and David Sullivan actually loaned the club money. So they, they basically assumed some of the debts of the club and that, they basically lend the club money at this rate that would be lower than if the club went and borrowed the same amount of money from, from a bank. And he said, basically, because him and David Sullivan are loaning the club this money at this lower rate, they're saving the club money. And you know, that's true. If, if you're, if you go and if you, if you're going to buy a house and you need a mortgage, you go to your bank, say the bank's going to offer you I don't know, 10% interest, but then you have like, say, let's say a really rich buddy. And you go to him say, Hey, I want to buy this house. It's this much. The bank would, would offer me this loan for that much for this, for 10%. What can, can you help me out? He says, okay, I'll loan you the same amount, but for 5%. Well, your, your buddies, he's saving you money because you're going to pay less in interest. So you're, 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 you're getting the same amount, but you're going to pay less in interest. So you're, you're saving money. Uh, so, this, I mean, that, that is true. But I, I was just thinking about it more and, and realized, like, well, how much is this shareholder-owned debt saving the club? You know, how, how much are they actually, David Gold and David Sullivan, actually saving the club by doing this? So I, I looked up, and here's are some of the kind of major points I found, and then I'll go into my calculations later on. So in the last four years, the interest rate for the shareholder debt has been lower than the interest rate for the outside bank debt owned by the club. And over this time, the savings from this lower interest rate amount to about 5.9 million pounds compared to if that amount was borrowed from outside. So this is over those four years, this is about 1.5 million of savings a year. And, uh, one one of the claims also made is that as the shareholders don't all always make the, the the owners don't always make the club pay back the interest right away, and this is true. They 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 don't uh, they kind of defer the interest at times. But but as of the most recent financial statements, only 1.9 million was was unpaid. Uh, and then prior to 16, I don't really have as much analysis. From then, because much of the debt was owned by a company owned by David Sullivan, so it makes it difficult to guess how much uh, would have been from the outside bank debt. We didn't we didn't have the outside bank debt, so I can't calculate the same. In, I can't calculate what that interest rate would have been. Um, and then again, just these are these are my best estimates and assumptions. The real amounts might have, might differ, but uh, this is kind of just uh, an unbiased analysis of how much maybe they're saving us. Chris, any questions before I get into the the meat and bones of this?
0: Yeah. Can you just explain that second point a little bit more? So the savings from the lower interest rate amount to 5.9 million pounds compared to that if it was borrowed from the outside.
1: Yeah. So I'm assuming, and, and this is, if, if the shareholders didn't lend us this money, we'd have to borrow, like we still need that money to operate. So we'd have to borrow it from a bank. So... Basically, I'm finding if if we still borrowed that amount of money just from a bank, at the bank interest rate, we would have paid five point nine million more over those four years in interest. So uh, basically, we're we're paying. Let's say I I don't know the exact figures off the top. Uh, I don't know the exact figures off the top of my head. Um, Actually, I do. I have them put up here. So over the last four years, we paid. 9.38 million to the board in interest. So that's how much we actually paid in interest. I'm saying if we would have if we would have borrowed that same amount of money over that time from the bank, we would have paid that nine point three million plus an additional five point nine million in interest. So that would have been, you know, a little over 14 million. Yeah. That's that's interesting. So yeah, so it so there is there is savings by by doing that. So I'll, I'll go a little bit into how I calculated that um, and then kind of talk about how much that means. So I mentioned kind of prior to 2016, most of the debt has, was owned by David Sullivan. So I, I kind of exclude, I have a couple, couple years shown on my analysis in the, in the Excel document, but I'm not really, can't really calculate accurately how much is saved um, by the board. Uh, but it, it, going into, from 2016 to 2019, how much we saved, What the how I calculated it here. So from the financial statements, it says how much we, how much the board loaned us, like what the loans were, how much interest we paid on those loans. And it also gives uh, typically a range of what those loans were in interest rate. So I can calculate those pretty well. I actually um, calculate based on the amount we pay, what the, what the interest rate was. And in all, but one instance, it falls beyond between that range. Uh, and it only actually, no, it, it falls within that range every time. Yeah. So um, they basically tell us how much we pay. So that's, that's a given like that's, then I look at, it also tells us how much we borrow from other from outside sources. So we, pretty much from 2016 have borrowed from the same company each year, like a one year loan. And we basically, each year, the amount differs a little bit when we pay it back, it differs a little bit, but we pay, like we, we borrow from the same company, roughly the same amount. So what I did is actually found those amounts that we borrowed, found the, the issue date and the payback date based on, uh, filings of the liens. So these loans are all secured against the training facility, meaning if we don't pay back, the, the bank has the right to sell the training facility to, to get that money back. So they have to file certain documents because of this. And so from that I can tell when the loans were paid back, when they were taken out, stuff like that. So I can calculate the, the number of days. Um, so the financial statements give me the total amount of interest that we pay each year to, these, to this bank. Uh, then I calculate how many day, like the amount and how much days we had these outstanding to calculate an interest rate. And so I calculate for those four years each interest rate. And just just to show you that these calculations are actually pretty accurate. So in 2019, I calculated an interest rate of based on two different loans we had to this to this group an interest rate of 7.01%. Well, I actually after I calculated this found an article on Corette Cl- and Hugh by Sean Whetstone that actually talked about this specific loan and said the interest rate on this loan is 7%. So That's just pretty, kind of a, yeah, pretty so, accurate. <laughs> yeah. So this is just showing you that um, based, I was actually able to get a quite accurate interest rate based on, you know, the, the available information. And so once I calculate so the financial statements give me the, the rate which, which the owner's debt is at. I calculate the rate at which the outside bank debt is at. So to figure out how much we, are you, are you with me here, any more questions?
0: Yeah. Nope, nope, keep going. So,
1: so to calculate how much we saved by borrowing that debt, I basically find the difference in interest rate and multiply that by the debt owned by, from shareholders.
0: You're taking the debt, the interest rate that outside banks give us and the interest rate that our shareholders are giving us. You're combining the two and that's how you're you're coming up this number, right?
1: Yeah, I'm, well, I'm subtracting the two. So yeah, I'm or subtracting. I'm, yeah. So for example, I'll walk you through my calculation for 2019. So I, I told you how I calculated the interest rate. So I got 7.01% Right, right at 7%. Well, on the financial statements, it says the club the, the interest rate from the shareholder loan was four point two five percent. So I take seven seven percent minus four point two five percent, which is basically when I get that that's that's basically the difference between what the outside bank charges us and what the shareholders charge us. Right. Then I I, su- I multiply that by the shareholder debt, and I got one point two four million pounds in savings from
0: 2019.
1: Okay. And I, I, I repeat that process over the four years with just each there, the, the interest rates calculated for each year. And when I, when, when I sum those up, I get for the four year, over four years, they we saved just under six million pounds. So what 5.9 million pounds. And so that, that averages out to about one and a half million pounds a year.
0: Okay, so the bank would have charged us 7% of interest the shareholders are charging us 4.25% interest. Yeah. So at, over and that's, that, that's, that's just
1: for 2019. The, right. the interest rate differs a little bit each year before then, but, but you can see on my, you can see what I calculated on each of the, each of the years on our sheet. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you added all those numbers, the differences, uh, the amount saved each year, added those up. And that's how you come up with 5.9 uh, million pounds.
1: Yeah. So okay. like if, if, if that loan instead of owned by the shareholders was uh, was held by that bank, that's how much more we would have paid. Right. And I will say this is actually, um, so that's that I feel, I mean, I feel like over four years, that's not, I mean, that's not a, it's not huge. 1.5 million a year is not huge, but it's, it is, you know, something the owners definitely don't have to do. Like it's something they, they are giving to the club essentially, uh, so that is a benefit and i will say that these calculations are actually i think understate the benefit that the shareholders are giving us and the reason i say that is so as a as a club as the club has more financial debt just this in general this could be true of any company the more fi- the more debt a, fir- a company or firm or club has the riskier it is because it, it that's more, more money they have to pay back higher interest payments. There's, there's many, many uh, theoretical and like proven reasons why um, having higher debt rates mean you're going to have a higher interest rate. So basically saying if, if, if this debt was, uh, was like the bank instead of the owners, the bank has like, there's more, more outside debt. So it's, we actually would probably have to pay an even higher outside interest rate if that makes sense. Yes. So yeah, like we, I, you know, I calculated 7% for the roughly 40 million in debt we, we owed to outside shareholders in 2019. Well, if you would have tacked on the, the additional 45 million that the shareholders had bringing it to like over 80, over 80 million in debt in outside debt, you're probably not gonna still get a 7% interest rate. It might be seven and a half or you know eight.
0: Right. So uh,
1: that, if that were the case, the savings might even be a little more. Yeah, so overall, I just kind of highlight that one. Um, I do think that there are definite savings uh, from having shareholder debt and even having the flexibility of not always having to pay that interest back on time. Um, and when we look at it over the last four years, it's saving us about 1.5 million a year in, in interest cost.
0: And, and just to summarize, so that's something the board, they don't have to do for us they're, they're helping us out in that respect. It is saving us money and they've done it for several years. And like you mentioned, even if the club is, uh, say having trouble with, with paying debts or something, the owners can, uh, the shareholders can decide to defer those debts. So, it really is pure benefit. Is there any downside that you see to this, or it's pretty—it's pure benefit.
1: It's—it's—it's pure benefit. I mean, like, this is now if if David David Sullivan David Gold didn't you know had to pay, you know used all outside debt and had to pay the higher interest rate, like I guess ultimately they're responsible for paying that anyway. Uh, but they also could have used—they could have spent that forty-five million pounds in debt and other projects outside of West Ham and, and earned more money. So I, there's honestly, there honestly isn't a downside. If we were, you know, if it was the opposite where the bank debt was cheaper, that'd be an issue. Right. But it's not like it's, it's higher. Um, so yeah, it's, there's really no downside to the club at this. This is, um, it is nice. It is nice of the owners to do this. It gives us a little more flexibility and saves us a little bit of money each year.
0: And that's something I want to mention is it's that's actually probably the number one thing that, uh, the, I should say the biggest thing that kind of changed, not necessarily changed my mind completely, but it definitely helped the board's case in my mind. Right. So that's not, it is public knowledge, but it's also not widely public knowledge. Uh, you know, yeah. I didn't know that beforehand and before really, you started looking into this and, and we've came up with this financial analysis. You don't see that published every single day in, Hey, we've got either GSB in GSB out. Here are the reasons, but that's not one of the reasons listed. And I think that's important to to analyze is are they really is the board sometimes people question, are they really looking out for the club? Do they have the heart in the club? And this kind of puts a little bit of monetary. Hey, yeah, they, they are in, interested in the club. They have the best interest in mind because they also have a lot of money invested in, in the club, not just their share, but in debt.
1: Yeah. So why don't we, like, I'll go back through and just highlight, you know, each of our three major points and then we can kind of talk about how this changed in whatever way, our view of the board. So back to claim one London stadium promises London stadium would bring us this financial windfall. Well, that's not really true. Although our revenue went up significantly in the, in the most recent three years of the London stadium compared to the last three years at Upton park. Most of this is not due to the stadium. It's really due to the the Premier League broadcasting money. Only a small amount, only 8.2 percent is due to match day revenue. So overall that promise not really true. Um, loss of revenue this year due to the pandemic means no transfer budget. Well, based on our projection, we, you know we, we only we only missed five home games this year based on uh, our best projections of what the revenue is, we're going to be down about 14 million in revenue and only about 9 million of that. You can, you can directly relate to the pandemic. Uh, And then does the, does the debt owned by the shareholder save the club money? Well, yeah, it's, it does save us money. It saves us, you know, over the last four years, about 6 million. And uh, overall, it's about 1.5 million a year. So that is money that, the shareholders could have spent somewhere else, but, but choose to invest in the club in that way. Um, and so that, that does save the club a little bit of money. So overall out of those three things, Chris, what do you, what, how did, how did those, you know, that kind of analysis change or affect your view of the border? Did it at all?
0: Yeah. So I think it did affect it. I don't want to say it changed it. Right. So the promises of London stadium, a lot of fans suspected, I believe this result, we just kind of wanted to prove it. Right. So, we had this inclination of, well, we're still not really competing for Europe. We just had a relegation battle and that relegation battle has happened for a few years now. It's not just this one season, you know, out of say 20. Um, so, that I think was the fans I, I could see suspecting I suspected it beforehand, I just didn 't know how much, and the fact that it is really match day receipts are only eight point two percent increase in revenue um, at, which translates to that four point six million is not a lot and not, definitely not a lot, definitely not the reason that would cause us to go from ending just above relegation to fighting for europe um, yeah
1: i think I think for the most part the owners did see that they, the owners would have known that it it doesn't really add that much as far as revenue. It it really that the, the big money was coming from other sources anyway. Um, I do. I think that was what they told the fans. I think they knew that was false. Um, My, my guess of why they moved to the London stadium is just, it, it did increase the club value as a whole. You know, you, you put us in a, in this class, you know, this, New shiny stadium. You, you know, eventually, if you do sell the club, it does increase the value having that lease. Um, and they
0: got a good deal on it.
1: Too. They did get a good deal. I think. Fina- I mean, like financially, they got a fantastic deal. They're not paying very much as as far as rent or in the, in the upfront cost. You you know, it's just compared to the, to the pain West Ham fans, you know, have about not playing at Upton Park, is it is it worth it? Uh, right. I don't think that was properly factored into the situation. Um, and then kind of the loss campaign. of revenue, I, I think that I, – I don't think that can really be a reason. We see these other clubs spend tons of money. We, we really – we've seen these other clubs spend tons of money despite having the same, you know, issues. And as we showed, they're not losing that much money for the pandemic per se. So.
0: um, Right. That broadcasting value is a massive portion of our increased revenue over the last few years and broadcasting revenue, like you mentioned with multi-year deals doesn't change largely as a result of the pandemic and every club suffered. So if we were the only club that for some reason had this pandemic and we were the only ones that lost money, I I understand a little bit more, but I'm watching every, not every other, but a lot of other premier league clubs spend, spend large amounts of money or at least just a little bit of money. And, uh, and then I see us with the zero, zero, you know, zero net spending budget. So,
1: yeah. And then, and then finally the, the debt owned by the shareholders saving the club money. Is this true? The, The owners do, do, have this kind of discount loan for the club out of their own pockets. And that, you know, it, it's true. It does save us some amount, you know, is, is it, you know, is it massive amounts Well, on the clubs, on the clubs, you know, basis? No, it's not. It's, it's a smaller amount, but it is, it is, you know, it's a lot of money. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I don't have 6 million over four years to just you know basically give the club for free. So really overall, what this proved to me is that, David Sullivan and David Gold want what's best for the club. I think it's silly to think in anything else. Like they want what's best for the club. Uh, or you know, at least it at least served them well. You know, they the the club having value serves them well. So even if they're even if it's fully selfish, it's they want the club to do well. The problem is I think they don't necessarily know how to get the best out of it. I think not spending in this transfer window is going to seriously hurt our chances of staying up. And if we get relegated, it's going to have massive financial impact. It's, you know, they're not, I don't think they're willing to push the extra mile to to do that. And I also think they really either a misjudgment or, or knowingly didn't really factor in how much the fans were going to miss Upton Park and and kind of push through with a stadium deal that they knew wasn't going to increase the revenue of the club, but, but kind of sacrifice the fan's, enjoyment at Upton Park for that.
0: Well, and just one last thing I want to touch on here. Quick point. Uh, do you think that, I guess you could say the argument could be made that they spent a lot of money with Anderson. They spent a lot of money with Hilaire. And so now they're looking at it and they're saying, we have spent money and it hasn't necessarily worked out. We're hoping those players develop, you know, but this year we're not. Is it right for fans to, go into you know this gsb out movement and say uh why aren't we spending money this year when the board is defending it i would assume by saying look we have spent money it's just we're not doing it this year
1: yeah i mean that is true they have spent relatively large amounts in the last couple years especially like the pellegrini transfers for windows were 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 larger spins than what we're used to and and that is true like i i'm not expecting a hundred million pound net spin this year i'm not but you know David Sullivan and David gold as business management realize when you don't invest in an asset, its value is going to decline you know if if you don't invest in the squad, and I don't think it's simply player transfers. I think there's many things that they need to invest in at the club. I think the scouting is horrendous. I think the uh, training grounds could necessarily use you know an uptick and the coaching staff, having, having a good, deep coaching and physio staff can really benefit a club. And, and I think those spending money there can pay off in dividends and other places. Like if you have a good scouting department, you don't have to spend as much in transfers to make it effective. I mean, think of what Lester have done, turning so many players from, you know, players that have cost less than a million into 50 plus million pound sell-ons and in know winning a league with Hardly any spent. And, and, you know, there's other clubs, like even, I will say like compared to where their place is Tottenham really don't spend a lot of money in the transfer window. Like they make smart purchases and, and, you know, even Liverpool, Liverpool, yeah, they spend more than a lot of other clubs, but if you compare them to like a city and others, they still haven't spent that much money. Their scouting department is, is good. They know the right people to buy so to me, it's just the inconsistency. They don't. The David Sullivan and David Gold don't, to my opinion, don't have a. They don't have a clear direction that they want the club to go to, and a clear plan to get us there. If you know, if they, if I'd be fine if they didn't spend, you know, a ton of net spent here. If they invested in a scouting window or scouting scouting team that I know could bring could get solid contributing players in, without you know the big price tags. But I, but we don't have that.
0: Right. And really my biggest question is I understand that they've spent a bunch of money, especially with on Holaire Anderson. Those were big signings, right? I understand that, but we, we didn't compete for Europe. We weren't, we didn't place sixth in the league or we didn't place even fifth or fourth and let's keep the same team. We just spent a bunch, but let's keep the same team this year and hopefully next year. No, we were fighting relegation and we have been at fighting relegation and so that's where I think it, it something's got to change. You know, I, that's kind of, I guess I want to say my biggest problem with it is we, we just came out of a relegation battle and yet you don't want to touch the team at all. Like we, we have massive holes. It's been talked about on our podcast it's been talked about on a lot of social media. There are, there are holes that we've got to fill and yet we're not willing to spend that money yet. We're primarily club. And I think that's the expectation is you've got to spend money. And if, if we had spent hundreds and hundreds of millions, I I don't know how much, maybe even 20 million. And they'd said, Hey, we've got to save money this year. That's fine. If you're in that sixth spot, but, but we're not, you know, so let's change something. I don't know. That's just my own opinion. Um, yeah, I I think we tried to give the most fair financial analysis, the most conservative that we could for the board where, where we, uh, could interpret it and, and influence it. And really there were not a lot of places where we could influence those numbers. It, It really was, uh, Based on facts, you can see our sources online there. If you have questions, tweet at us, please. Um, we'd love to answer questions and make this as clear as possible. Uh, we also we would love to if you want to follow us, that'd be great. Our, our Twitter is Green Eggs and Wh. So please give us a follow. Uh, we like to regularly interact with people and and really keep up. So uh, yeah. Kruse, you have and any re- cl-
1: retweet? We treat the pod. I know. If if you really enjoyed this, don't like forget don't forget to follow and you know share share the the podcast. Hopefully, this can help. You know, just give give West Ham fans a little bit of information that maybe they didn't know before. And you uh, know, yeah, so glad to do this. This is uh, fun as always.
0: Yeah, thanks come on, for, you Irons. Thanks for joining. Come on, you Irons.